Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your recap pod for this week's Players Championship. And joining me to break it all down, Greg Ducharme is here. Greg, what up? We were talking about this just before. If you're on a long car ride, whenever you're listening, <laughs> you're you uh, you found the right podcast. Yes, yeah, you did. <laughs> this this might this might be a while. Uh, Kyle Porter is here. KP, there is so much great golf. So much everything is happening right now. Oh, it was so fun. The the the, the first three months of 2021 have just been awesome, and I thought that JT's performance and the whole players uh, was just a great cap to to kind of the first quarter. And now you kind of move on to you know, the second quarter that includes the masters and yeah, it's just, it's been an awesome year. And I thought, I thought the weekend was great. Yeah. We were kind of chatting, you know, the, the Greg, the closing stretch, the, even like the last six holes at TPC Sawgrass, it, they're, they're chaotic, but you can make uh, some runs in there. It just creates a, a, a drama filled uh, you know, weekend and it can be no names. It can be big names. Uh, it had a little bit of everything this time around. Yeah, it did. See Florida golf in general, to me, it creates most of the venues create great theater, but, and they're great to watch. In fact, I think, I think some of Pete Dye's golf courses may be the most exciting golf courses on the PGA tour. They're the worst to play. You, you never enjoy playing them. It's so difficult, it, it, right? It's frustrating. But watching it, watching the best players in the world attack a golf course like that uh, with all the risk and all the penalty areas out there, shots you just can't hide from, like the one at 17, it's brilliant. It's perfect. It's the perfect golf course for uh, the PGA Tour's flagship event. So, I, I, I mean, I, I loved this tournament. All right, let me hit this promo real quick. First cut listeners, it's March, baby. You know, we got bracket games and we want you to compete with us in a bracket challenge. I'll be there. Kyle will be there. Greg will be there. Coach will be there. Mark will all be in there. And we want you as well. A link to join is in the description. And really, who who enters just one pool? You can also create a group to compete against your friends and fill out your bracket for the chance to win a Nissan Rogue and a trip to the 2022 Final Four. You can play on CBS Sports app or at cbssports.com. Justin Thomas has done it again. He goes out, he wins the Players' Championship with a Sunday 68 that KP started a little slow, couldn't find the putting stroke, lost a bunch of strokes to, to the field, and then he got absolutely scorching in the middle. He attacked on another birdie at 16, and he held on through the final closing holes for his now 14th PGA Tour victory. Yeah, I was thinking about this about halfway through because I think he was on seven and he had, he had parred everything. Right. So, so on Saturday he starts with the four birdies in the first, I think he birdied the first four, right? Yeah. He birdied the first four on Saturday. So it's all pars on Sunday. And I think the thing that's a little like, and this is where I think 
this, some of the stats of it matter at a place like TPC Sawgrass. It's like, okay, how are you making those pars? Because if you're making them with, with ball striking, then there's so much space over the last, uh, 11 holes to, to put a score together. And so when he was on seven, I was like, JT's going to shoot a 32 on the back. I think I tweeted it out. You did. And he, and then he bogeys the next hole. I was like, Oh, great. That's, that's, <laughs> that's going well. This is like, this is like my Memphis take. Uh, but this is what, this is what Westwood did on Saturday. Remember he pars the first nine and you're like, okay, how, how is he doing it? And he was with ball striking. And then there's room to make putts coming in, which is exactly what JT did. I, his ball striking. I mean, it, I, I think it was a ball. I think it was the ball striking performance of the year, right? Like that was the best anybody's hit the ball for 36 holes all year, considering the course, the field, the moment uh, it, it was, I, he did not miss a shot on the weekend. It was unreal. The, yeah, the really stats was. won't, they won't parse out. Uh, I, I like that you mentioned the moment and you brought that up because Greg, I'm thinking of 16 on, on both days on, on Saturday and Sunday. I mean, to, to hit a shot there, or he even talked about the drive that he hits on uh, that he hit on 16. I think it was where he said afterwards, that doesn't really fit my eye uh, very well. So he, for him to do what he did in that moment uh, and pull it all off with what were just exactly what he was trying to do with some of these approach shots into these holes and then make enough putts, enough putts to get the job done. Rick on Monday, we talked about, uh, we talked about JT and you laid out your case for why you were a play on JT uh, and it all panned out. And I was a little bit more on the fence than you. Um, and, and the reason for me was the, the tee shots, right? The driving accuracy and the display that he has put on in the past where he gets a little Aaron off the tee. And it, it worries me. That's what worried me about Xander this week. Um, Cause he's been doing that in the last couple events. And all of a sudden he comes into the weekend and it shows on on uh, on Friday. On Friday, it's four or fourteen fairways. It was a little yep. errant. He he ends up um, finishing strong with birdies at sixteen and eighteen, and saves the round. And it turns out it saves the tournament. But today he stripes it at number one. He stripes it at number two. He ends up hitting twelve or fourteen fairways. He had ten or fourteen fairways on Saturday, and those tee shots that are uncomfortable for him the ones that move right to left, he was able, he, he had a shot. It was almost like a go-to shot, just a rope hook, a, like a, a, like a toe jam rope hook around the trees that, I mean, he had a driver that carried 234 yards. It <laughs> ended up 320. Yeah. 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 It, yeah. it ends up it 321. Awesome. It carries 234. And he hit that shot on a couple of occasions. So he figured out what to do off the tee, how to get the ball in play. And that's just the tactician that JT is, right? That's the guy that doesn't just, he he is not stubborn enough to try to make what he does work. He tries to figure out how to make the golf course, how to play the golf course best. Uh, and it was, it was really fun to watch today. But here, here's what's crazy is he was, and you sort of alluded to this. He was not good off the tee on Thursday and Friday. He was like, right. Uh, he was almost last in the field off the tee on Friday. And then it just flipped on the weekend. And think about this. So two things. One, he gains 13 strokes on the field to win. 11 of those were tee to green on the weekend alone. <laughs> 11 of the 13 were tee to green yeah, on hold, the weekend. Hold on. I got to stop you there. So say, say it again. Thir he gains what? 14 and a half strokes on the field. 11 of them are on, from tee to green on the weekend alone. Yeah. I think Let it was 13. 13 on the field, right? Oh, 14 and a half. That's right. Okay. 14 and a half. My bad. Um, that, that's, ins that's insane. 
And I think what's even crazier, and I, we were just texting uh, Mark about this, but you you rarely see somebody putt as bad as he did on the on the weekend. He lost. He was worse than field average on the weekend putting. He lost two but shots every, today. Everything was a, was a seven footer. I mean, <laughs> you, you you don't you can be the worst putter in the field when everything's a seven footer, right? And and you still win. I mean, it, it was, and and I thought the way he finished. I mean. I, and I wrote about it a little bit and Greg probably said it better than I wrote it. The tee shot on 16 was insane. And it, to hit the, yeah. to hit the shot, the tee shot on 16. And then the next shot is your, uh, sorry, I got my phone going here. The next shot is, is like this high, I guess it was a five wood into that green. I mean, those back-to-back shots were just, were just insane. And then the drive on 18, the whole thing was wild. The drive on 18, I guess, Greg, is probably the one that that was not necessarily the line he wanted to take a little bit more aggressive, I think. But uh, hey, you think some things have to go right. He he barely carries it. He gets a great, a nice, great straight kick uh, and it rolls out a, a long way for him to end up making par on 18 and uh, essentially solidifying right. his victory here. Yeah, it may have. It, it got a good break. Right. But it, but that's the same shot. It's a, the go to shot. That's the shot. And he may have had this shot in the bag before, but I can't remember JT coming down the stretch of a tournament and putting the ball in play like that. I mean, you think he hit that shot on two, he hit that shot on 12, he hit that shot on 16, he hit that shot on 18, and he executed it every single time. 18 was probably a little closer than he'd like. And he got a good break on it, but that's a shot that he rehearsed. He prepared for those tee shots that were tough for him. And it, and it executed, he executed when he needed it most. So it was a thing of beauty. Um, it, it was just a thing of beauty. It's not easy to do. And it's his biggest weakness. You could argue it's putting, but to me, the thing that holds him back more than anything else is the errant tee shots. That's why he has lost some tournaments and hasn't closed in the past. And today he executed. And and those are just some of the examples on, on why. I thought he also had the toughest uh, situational shot into 17. Because if you're Westy or, or Bryson, like you have to go at that pin kind of, even though they both kind of played away from it. But you're in a situation where you kind of have to go for the pin. And JT is in a weird spot where you don't really know what you need to do, right? Like you, you don't want to, you don't, you don't want to lose it. You don't want to lose well, the you, tournament on 17. Right. But then you don't, you also, it's just, I thought he had the toughest of all those shots on 17, just situationally. And, you know, I thought, I think he thought, and I thought when he hit the six footer for par, that that was it. It turned out it wasn't because he got within about three feet of hitting it in the water on 18. But the whole thing just, I mean, it highlighted why I predicted 25 wins in the 2020s yes. for Justin Thomas. So, so here it is. So the, it, Mark and Kyle got into this. So here's the, here's the index card. So Kyle's got uh, 25 wins in this decade. And what are we up to KPs? It was this three or four. This was three. So he okay. won tournament of champions. It feels like he's won five, but he won tournament of champions. He won Memphis and now he's won this. Is that he's right? on pace. Yeah, he's on pace. He lost. He he's on. I did the math. He's on pace for exactly twenty five. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so it's it's like what is it two and a half a year or something like that? Yeah. Um, this one should count as two. I should have thrown in some caveats here. 
You should have. And and to put this into a historical perspective, perspective, Greg, 14 PGA Tour wins before the age of 28. It's a short list. It's Jack Nicholas. It's Johnny Miller. It is Tiger Woods and now Justin Thomas. That is now his place in the game at 28 years and younger. He has the skills. Um, we see it time and time again. If you can putt like this and and win, you're going to win a lot. Right. You're going to win a lot. He has a lot of tools, a lot of ways to win, which is um, which is a great asset of his. Um, The other thing is he knows what to do when he gets down the stretch. Like, Kyle, you mentioned 17, that situation. I don't I'm not sure where the safe shot is there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's the, that's the one thing I, I don't know where you, if you're afraid in the moment or if you have a two shot lead or a three, what, where do you hit it? I guess that's you why it's right such a great flag if you're losing, but well, yeah, for sure. But that's why it's such a great pin is because, and this is, we always talk about this, but like the, the most dramatic and best golf is when guys have to make decisions in the moment that they don't really want to make that they're kind of yeah. uncomfortable with. And that's what we saw from him. And it, he didn't hit a very good shot. I mean, he kind of left him the, he left himself the Martin Keimer putt that Keimer made in what was that? 2014, I think. Yeah, I believe so. Um, and you, you had seen guys have that putt all day and they almost rolled it in the water. He actually hit a pretty decent putt from where he was at, but yeah, to go back to the T, I mean, that was, that was just a very uncomfortable situation to be in. I think, um, cause I'm with you. Like, how do you hit it over there with a wedge? That's what you think when you're watching people hit it over there all the time. And I think the reason is the safe shot at the middle of the green, you're looking at a, a knob yeah. right over that bunker, right? If, it, if yeah. you miss it, th- so it's not like he missed it 30 feet left, right? He misses it probably three feet left. And that's why it kicks down to the, to the left instead of over to the right. So I, I think that just makes for such a great hole. Um, but his finishing ability, like back to your original question, Rick, on, on how this guy has won 14 times already. The shot on 16 is the example very easy to say okay there's water long here so and it's into the wind so going with a five wood from 224 i gotta float it if i hit it if i hit it without enough spin it's going to go through the wind and into the water i should lay up here i'm a great wedge player whatever but but he has the courage um and he has the the guts to go for that shot and that's that's where he doesn't allow tournaments to bleed away, right? He takes it. He makes sure that he makes birdie at 16 to extend the lead. Um, even though he kind of, he could have done that on 14 too, but, um, but the shot on 16 was just so good. I thought the shot on 16, the shot on 12, both took some, some balls like to hit those yeah. shots in that, in that, I mean, I mean, you, you said it well on 16, but that's just, <laughs> he was, he was, it was deep. It was not a, great. Well, it might've been a good number for the club, but it was not a good number to be going at that pin with. And he just hit it, you know, and he, he didn't, he didn't like take on the pin, but it was still, it was just like, as he pulled the club, it was very easy to envision that, you know, we saw Patrick Reed hit that, hit that shot, like 30 yards into the water on Saturday. And that was just, I, I, I thought it, I, I, yeah, I thought it took, it, it did take some courage to take it on Rick. What was the moment where, where you thought, okay, JT is one in this like this. It was at the Eagle on 11. Uh, so I, yes, I, I dipped into get, get the gift ready. I'm feeling good. There's no, there's no way you're stopping him when he missed, when he missed the shorty for par on what was that? 12, uh, it was four, no, four, it 14, was 14, 14. Yeah. 
I was in a full lather. I was, I was in a full sweat. I'm like, it's over now. He's like, miss one of those. And it's over. Like you just, you're was, just, and then he it was a three footer. It was the shortest putt he missed all season. And I'm like, in this moment, <sighs> in this moment, you can't miss that on a, on a Saturday when you're in 54th or like what, like, yeah. like in this moment, he misses his shortest putt. And then when he made, when he made the par on 17, I was like, okay, now, now, yeah. I wasn't expecting 18 to be as sweaty as it was on that tee shot, but that's when I was like, he's got this. The only other time I got nervous was not JT related. It was Bryson related when yeah. he, when he flew the corner on 16 <laughs> yes. and had 190 in. And I'm like, Oh no, he, he's going to stuff this close. He's going to go Eagle birdie birdie. He's going to win this thing. And uh, he then made Eagle. And I'm, that yeah. that's when I was a little, I was a little sideways. I, I agree with you about JT on 14. Although at that point he literally had not missed a shot all weekend. And so you're like, well, I, I feel like he's still going to have some chances here. So it didn't, it, it didn't feel as monumental as maybe it would have otherwise. Like he was just, and he, he said it afterwards. He's like, this, this is probably the best Tita green I've ever been in a, in a single round. I, I did not. I was not worried about him getting to the green. I was worried about him having five footers for par along the way. That, that <laughs> yes. was, was yes. going to make me nervous. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's the way I felt about it. The, the um, 18 tee shot can make you nervous too, though. I mean, it, even if you have a one shot lead. Could? Yeah. It did. It does, I mean, it, 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 well, that's, but leading into it, right? If, if you're up three yeah, there, yeah. you hit an iron, you, you take the water out of play. But when you have a one shot lead and Bryson DeChambeau is behind you and Lee Westwood's behind you, and these guys can make birdies down the stretch. Um, well, and we I, saw it on 18. Lee makes birdie and Bryson almost does. You're, you're a little, you're a little worried. You got to go make at least a four. If you're, if you're JT there with a one shot lead. So it's a, he, you have to take the tee shot on. There's no bailout. And it was, uh, yeah, makes you sweat. That one made you well, sweat. And it, yeah, and it's like, I, the, the weird part for him is he hits this cut normally, and a cut's not great there, especially if you're hitting, if you're, if you're deep at all. And so you, it's like, do I have to just hit a draw here? And he hits that hard draw, and it's just, that, that shot, honestly, like, that's a tougher shot than 17. Like, way tougher you know, given, given the moment. And if, if you're like, if you're taking it on it, I think that's a tougher shot than if you're kind of, kind of sort of taking on 17 and, you know, 17 yeah. gets all the publicity, but that that's the shot that is just terrifying. Yeah. There, and that I, hook, I, it was, I was you just, on, you on can't the control that hook. Right? Did, this is the old did, line. You, I'm sorry, Rick. I keep it. We keep, it's okay. we just no, keep this going is great. Here. This We're going to be in a while. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but when you hit a, when you hit a fade, uh, if if the hole was reversed, it's a mirror. This hole exists all over the place too, where there's water all up the right hand side. If you're hitting a fade, um, like Patrick Reed's helicopter cut that he had at the Masters, you have this go to big fade you can play. Right, that one yeah. lands much softer when it gets on the ground. It tends to fade less if you miss that shot. It tends to fade less. It goes a little straighter. Um, whereas when you're hitting hooks like that, they tend to overhook more. They, once they start hooking, they tend to hook more than you think rather than less than you think like the fade. So that's why it makes you so nervous because on 16, that shot works because it just, it could run into yeah. pine straw yeah. into rough and then you lay up, right? It works on two. There's, there's not, that shot doesn't exist where JT hit it with water as the penalty. If, if there was no real penalty, if he overhooked it on any other occasion, um, I mean, within reason, at least if it gets on the ground and rolls into trouble, but this, uh, that one is 
it's scary. If you get that ball hooking, you feel like it can land in the middle of the fairway and end up in the water. It's kind of yeah. like Jay. You know who else hit this shot this year? Jordan Spieth on 17 at, at uh, Scottsdale. That's exactly, that's the same shot where it hooks too much, gets on mm-hmm. the ground, runs and runs and runs and ends up in the water. I'm glad you brought him up because I was, I was going to move on to Lee Westwood, but there's a really good question in the chat from Daniel Olson that I think is worth tackling. And it says, is JT's resume or career now better than Jordan Spieth? They, they, now Justin Thomas is at 14 PGA tour victories, the same number as Jordan Spieth, but KP, it feels a lot different. One in one sense, Jordan Spieth has three major championships to Justin Thomas's one plus a players, but Justin Thomas has won 10 times since Jordan Spieth's last victory. Yeah. So there's a couple answers to this one. JT's resume is not better than Spieth's. Like, I, I don't think that that is, I don't think it's disputable. I mean, he's, he's won good events, but it, you win an open at car at uh, Burkdale, you win a U.S. open, you win a mass. I mean, it, it, he can't, he can't compete with that, but the, the bigger picture question is, is JT better than Spieth? And the answer is like, he has been for a while, right? So I think their trajectories crossed a while ago. And I think at some point their, their resumes will as well. Like, I think JT is going to win whatever a U.S. open or a masters or like, I think with one more major, I think you can look at JT with, with that many more wins and a players, like if he wins the masters this year, then JT's resume is better than Jordan Spieth. So I think they're at least within striking distance. And I think that's right, Greg, a resume by nature is just listed out, put it on a piece of paper and look at it. And you can't, you can't really dispute that Jordan Spieth's resume is, is better. He's got more major championships. He's can't, it's, yeah, it's unbelievable. Can't. I mean, uh, it just th- feels so much different though. <laughs> right. Right. It J- does. But JT hasn't competed in the majors the way Spieth yeah, has. Spieth that's is right. The, right. It's not just the wins. Jordan yeah. is, he's, I mean, he almost won four in a year. He really did. He was on at, at St. Andrews in 2015. He yeah. could have made birdie on 18 to make a playoff, to, to get into a playoff, to win three in a row. And then he came in second at the PGA at Wrestling Straits. He, he lost to four guys in 15 at the majors. It's Day, Ustazen, uh, Leishman, and who else was in that? Oh, Zai Johnson. Johnson. Yeah, yeah. J- uh, Jordan Spieth has 10 top 10s in major championships. I think JT, has, JT has like three or four. He, he got, he's at five now. He got to five. Okay. Yeah. One, two, three, four, so, five. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it'll, I mean, he doesn't have the heartbreak. Jordan's heartbreak is, I mean, he should have a fourth. You could, you could say he should have a fifth. I mean, he's, he's been there in the mix so often. Um, and I don't know with Spieth on the comeback trail here, it, it golf's interesting. There's, there's uh there's no way to predict the trajectory because you could be done today. Right, you could Did be. You, this could be JT's last win. You, you never. It's, it's, it's crazy to say. Kyle hopes not. <laughs> yeah, uh, but no. Thing, I'm, but I'm serious. Jordan Spieth. Jordan Spieth <laughs> wins 2017 at Burkdale. Would you say this is this is gonna? He's not gonna win again for three or four right. years. No, because Would you I have mean, said that. Of course not. But also, like, it's not just. It's the way he, he was like the best player in the world. He wasn't. He wasn't like the 30th best player who won the open. He was the best player on the planet. And so <laughs> it was like a, it was like a, there's no chance. So I think that's a great point. I thought w- what was said, I can't remember. Uh, I think it was maybe Dan Hicks said it as JT was signing his card. 
he was talking about how JT, I guess, had said in an interview or something like, I hate that my emotions and my feelings get so wrapped up in golf, but that's just, this is all I do. And this is my job. And part of that, you're like, part of that is the reason that I said he would win 25 times in the twenties. Right. And part of that is like, is that good long-term? Like that seems like a, a, a quick way to kind of, you know, like that could go badly right over the next five or 10 years. So I thought that, I thought that was really interesting. And I think that's kind of the, X factor in all of this with JT is that he is, I think, more wrapped up in it than maybe some of these other guys, maybe more so than a Rory or a Spieth. And, you know, I think that's why he's obsessed with it and wins so much, but it could also kind of go the other direction as well. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not, by the way, at all saying that it's going to be right. I'm just saying you, you never know in this game. So when you are trying to say, well, JT is going to he's going to pass Spieth because Spieth hasn't won in four years. Well, you don't know if there's a slump like that coming for JT and you don't know if 2015 is going to be, um, you know, the second half of 2021 for Jordan Spieth, because I, I think that's a possibility, too. He could get hot and things change very quickly. So in comparing these two guys, I think you got to be a little careful. I do think they're both Hall of Famers, but Speed still has the edge. Real quick, uh, I wanted to make one final point on kind of some of the JT shots. Like, I think when you are like just in the zone, like Steph Curry from 40 feet in the zone, you hit some of the shot shapes that JT hit on Sunday. Like those are not shot shapes where it's like, I don't know. I'm feeling okay. Those are shot shapes where it's like, I am feeling myself right now. And I think that matters because I think JT gets into that zone a lot and it, it's going to propel him to win a lot because you, 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 I don't know. It just, it's sort of like, it, it gets exacerbated to where all of a sudden he's just running downhill and he's hitting all these crazy shots. And, and it's like, I don't have to hit any putts and I'm still going to beat you. And I think that's, that's the part about JT. That's really scary. Well, well, what do you say? I, I love me some me. He was in one of those, yeah, uh, T. O., one of those zones on, on, on Sunday. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Uh, Lee Westwood is going to end up finishing one shot short of the biggest victory of his career. 13 under he shoots a 72 on Sunday, Greg, you know, uh, I, I don't want to ever say like, it, I don't know. I don't know what, ex- what we expected on Sunday. Right. I, I think there, there have been well-documented and well-chronicled um, Sunday failings for Lee Westwood. I don't know if you call that a failure this week when, when JT kind of does what he does and he finishes one shot back, but uh second consecutive 54 hole lead and he comes up uh, without a trophy. Yeah. Um, it's disappointing. Right now, it's hard to say that he's 47 years old in the five. I mean, you would if at the beginning of the week, let's say it's last week at the beginning of the Arnold Palmer Invitational, you said, OK, Lee, you're going to come in. Uh, you're going to come in second place the next two weeks. Would you take it right now? Um, I, I think most people would say, yeah, that'd be great. That would be great for Lee Westwood. Yet you're the 54 hole leader. You'd like to close the deal in one of them. So that's a challenge for sure. But I, I look at today's round and the disappointing thing is he didn't take advantage of par fives, right? He makes yeah. the mistake on number two and he's losing it to the right and he loses it to the right early and often. He does it on two. He does it on four. He does it again on five. He did we it need to talk about four. Round, <laughs> oh, right? yeah, we got We got four. Coming. This is... <laughs> It's just, it's shaky, right? So two, I mean, it, four starts on two with Lee Westwood. He hits it into the woods on the right, and then he he punches out into the water, which is, uh, you, you can't, if you're going to punch out, there's an old saying, if you're going to lay up, lay up, right? If you're going to punch out, punch out. The water should <laughs> never be in play. 
It can never be a play. And so that's a mental error. And all of a sudden, when you're making a mental error like that early, now you're behind the eight ball. And now your strategy, if you feel like it has to change, because that six on two feels like a uh, it, it's a double. It's basically a double bogey. It's one of the easiest holes on the course. And then um, we move forward to number four. I don't know if you want to start there, Kyle. Yeah, let's, the let's, well, let's, well, I, let's do this because we'll, we'll loop Bryson DeChambeau into this as well, because he is, he is not immune to number four, which I actually say goes back to Brendan Todd on 17, three minutes earlier, hitting, <laughs> yes. a, hitting a cold shank at 17, almost onto what would have been named Todd Island. If he lands it on it, the flower <laughs> Island. And then from that moment on, every golfer on the course forgot how to play golf. It was like the Monstars came down and started taking talent away from these guys because uh, I'm looking at number four, KP. Bryson uh, cold tops his tee shot. Uh, Lee Westwood goes way right. Bryson hits his second from the ladies tee way right. Kind of has to play like not almost backward. I mean, what happened? So first question, can can Todd swim to Todd Island if it lands? (laughs) So. Who there was a guy on the European tour who got on a boat, got on a little dinghy. I'll I'll find this while we're talking about it. Went over to another <laughs> little island and hit from that island. I'll find it. So I I don't know. I guess he could have if he wanted to. Uh, it, it might be internal OB. I mean, who knows? Like they they threw that just all over the place this week. Well, it's probably ground under repair, right? It's flower. There's some a lot of places will have a local rule that you can't play from a flower bed. <laughs> I would imagine it falls into that category. I I don't understand like the way that I, the way that we probably all watch this, I'm trying to like throw tweets out there and take screenshots, you know, just there's a lot going on. Like if, like if you want to watch golf with me on a Sunday, it is not fun. It's, it's a, it's like a war as, as you know, Rick probably knows. Um, and my wife knows that too. That 10 minutes was like, I mean, it was like the, it was like my revolutionary war. It was just like, (laughs) I I don't, I don't understand what, I mean, the, the, the shot, the, the two shots that Bryson hit consecutively, like if you were to say, what is the inverse of JT's shots into 16, the drive and the approach, the inverse of that, the exact opposite of that were the two shots that Bryson hit on four, the top and the shank. I mean, what? What was that? How do you hit both? If you hit one, okay, whatever. That happens one every 500 swings. You hit both consecutively. It was, did he black out? Was he, was he conscious? I, I don't know. It, it's, it, uh, it's, in, I, it's inexplicable. Uh, well, I think when you do the, the one on four, you could say is inexplicable. The, I'm sorry, the T the shot on four, of course, the one on four, the T shot on four, you top it, right? All of a sudden you have no, what happened? And the only <laughs> thing I could think about the top is that Bryson likes to hit up on his driver a lot. And I'm wondering if he's trying to hit up on his three wood a little more than he thought he kind of mit- overdid it a little bit and top. That's usually what happens with the top is the club bottoms out early. It's on the way up and it misses the ball going up. And so he tops it. And now things start going really fast. All of a yeah. sudden, yeah. what do I do? Where am I going to drop? I can't believe I just topped it. I mean, this is the players championship and I'm going to be all over social media. Kyle Porter's <laughs> going to be tweeting about me <laughs> with some kind of I hope you said that. And all of a sudden, now he's got a a 240-yard shot from the forward-most tee. He probably Uh, doesn't have a club for that number. He probably didn't keep a 240-yard club. There's not a head cover on that club. 
right? I mean, he doesn't need it. But the only <laughs> if you're Bubba, there is. <laughs> yeah. Right. So all of a sudden, it goes. He 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 misses one. I I don't know what happened, but he but you hear him say, "What is going on?" And that that's was, just it, a sign to me that he's he's things are going too fast. It, yeah. It, it was it was a legitimate. I'm not even kidding. A world class double because the shot that he hit from. Yeah. Yeah. The sec, I don't know what it was. The landscaping is what the shot tracker calls it. <laughs> yes. From the landscaping uh, was was unbelievable. And he gets out of there with a double. But to, to back to the Brendan Todd stuff. So producer Jacob on YouTube, ha- we have the video. This is from the European oh my tour. Gosh. Joel Soholm. He's from Sweden. I'm sure I butchered that. Got on this little dinghy. Look, his ball's on a separate island. He's going to get on this little boat. And he's going is to he pull himself across. Good question. He looks, like he, he, he looks like he plays for the White Sox. <laughs> he does. He does look like he's a pitcher, a relief pitcher. Yeah, throws about the save. Throws look, about ninety-seven take, with the slider. Look, he's going to take. Here's, here's, out here's there by caddy. himself. Here's his caddy. Right, his caddy doesn't go. Here's four clubs. Have fun. <laughs> the four clubs, <laughs> <laughs> and then he's going to pull himself across. This is the best part. Does he have an award? Okay, take it. No, no, he's got a string though. What? How they? How they get it across? Why? How is this the first time that I'm seeing this? This was uh, this was last year. This was last summer. So he's on this little island over here. So he pulls himself across, (laughs) and he's gonna hit from here. Could you imagine Brendan Todd doing this? (laughs) That was just that's so good. (laughs) This is unbelievable. This is crazy. The 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 greatest thing about uh, this is so funny. The greatest thing about the or, or the most telling thing about the Bryson stuff on four though was like. I did not, as I'm watching that play out, I didn't, I didn't recognize the hole. You see these holes all week and you see them from the same spots. Like guys hit to roughly the same spots. The the spots he was playing from, I was like, I don't, I don't know what hole this is. Like you'd never seen stuff from, or never seen shots from where he was hitting. And that was, yeah, that was, that was shocking. He, he was, it was probably shocking for him. Would you so, guys like to see them play four from a tee? Not maybe, maybe not two forty, but if they moved four up and made that drivable, um, do you think that'd yeah. be compelling? I mean, for sure, over water, I think that'd be sweet. You had, if you had four and twelve, I think it'd be really fun. The rest of Bryson's round, uh, well, it couldn't have got much worse. Got better, right? So he goes out in 32. He comes in in 33, thanks to birdies at 12, 13. And of course, the big bird, the eagle at 16. And I know we say this a lot, KP, but like, I don't even know if Bryson had his good stuff. He doesn't even really know if he had his good stuff. Like, it's kind of scary how good he is at this point. Well, yeah. And, and here's the thing. The the thing we heard all week was like, don't forget he's, he's a good putter too. And it's like, well, he, yeah, he was like the number nine player in the world. Whenever he, you know, went through this transformation, like it, it's, he won a USAM, he won the NCAAs, he won five times on the PGA tour. Like he, he, you don't just like fall into that. Like he's back to back playoff events. Yeah. Like he's unreal throughout the bag. And I think that these last two weeks were sort of a, I, I guess a reminder of that. Although if, if like, and I, I think, I do think like we, we do forget how good he was before all this, because we just look at the po- like the, the, you know, the, the bacon video and the uh, you know, the lifting weights and all this stuff. And it's like, Oh, well, he's just, he's just a long drive guy. Well, n- n- no, like he, he was, he was unbelievable before any of this happened. And 
what he did with the long drive stuff is just increase his win rate, just increase the, the number of opportunities he has and give himself more margin for error. We've talked about that a ton. And this week, it was actually like the opposite. He didn't have, he wasn't that great off the tee, but he was awesome. I mean, think about if he would have been good off the tee this week, he would have won by like eight. Yeah, but, but you know what? That advantage is almost this golf course limits his ability to hit driver. So because you have to, and he talked about this earlier in the week, you have to play position now. So off the yeah. tee, it's still an advantage. But as far as strokes gained is concerned, he's not going to gain the way that he normally does because he's got to put the ball into a similar place as everybody else. He may just use less club to do it. Yeah, it's a great point. He, but there are holes like sixteen, right? He's right. Not, nobody's Absolutely. taking that line on sixteen. Or yeah, 11. Yeah, 11 for sure. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else. Maybe two at times. Um, two. You, but yeah, I think you can run out. You can run out of room on two a little bit. Actually, he did. Did he hit? He might have hit iron. I think, there. He, hit, I think he hit three wood or uh, okay. some kind of wood. Three or five wood, I think. Yeah. yeah he, was, so, he was he was dialed back quite a bit this week off the tee. Yeah. I, I actually think that, and somebody brought this up. It might have been... It might have been the uh, solid no laying up talking about how like the bigger advantage at a place like Sawgrass is his speed in the rough, and we saw that at, at Wingfoot also. But because you don't see as much driver advantage here, that becomes more pronounced. That that is like the speed advantage at at TPC Sawgrass. So I don't know, man. Like I just I keep going back to his best uh, his best performances have been at the toughest courses with the, but with the, with the toughest setups. And that's, that's, he should be the U S open favorite for the next five years right now. Well, uh, I want to talk about whether he is the master's favorite because we are 25 days away from that. But first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon. When a thought hits you, I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we're back. As you so clearly pointed out on Twitter, KP, 25 days out from the Masters. That's absolutely unbelievable. And and Greg, we've got the odds shaking out here. So Bryson DeChambeau, who we just talked about, now nine to one. The only guy shorter is Dustin Johnson. He's seven and a half to one. Justin Thomas moves down to 11 to one. He is in the same tier as John Rahm and Rory McIlroy, all of those players ahead of Brooks Koepka at 12. And that man and Jordan Spieth at 14 to one. So Greg has anything that you have seen in the past couple of weeks, give you any pause for Augusta national, or does it fire you up for somebody who might be able to make a run? Um, well, I, I'm fired up for, to get Jordan into the mix, but I mean, from the sounds of it, it's already over because Bryson's going to win by five. So <laughs> I guess you're getting nine to one, no more, no less. Um, yeah. So it, it's, uh, it's already over. You can do not, you can do that. And then you can also do margin of victory, which four or more shots would pay uh, plus three thirty three KP. So may, maybe, maybe we'll, he'll let you, uh, let you par, parlay those and you just take Bryson and four or more shots. I think maybe Lee Westwood should be the favorite for Augusta, <laughs> right? <laughs> Greg, Greg actually I mean, picked him to win the open championship when we did our way too early, like, 
uh, uh, pr- uh, ma- majors preview a couple of uh, months ago. So that, I think would, he that, would, be, yeah. that would be sweet if he won the open. Um, yeah, I think that I think Bryson should be the favorite. I don't know. I, I, I'm a little like, I know I've had a lot of bravado and picking him by five. I'm a little wary of him at Augusta just because it, he hasn't really thrived there, you know? And, and, you know, some of that you're, you go back to the green reading book. You're like, is that a thing? I don't know. There's just something, it hasn't gone great for him in what, however many four appearances or five appearances that he's had. I'm I'm probably more bullish on him now after seeing what he did in November and seeing what he's done uh, at Bay Hill and then seeing what he's done at TPC Sawgrass, which is okay. When he got to Augusta in November, it was 48 inch driver. I'm just going to pound it around every corner. I'm going to bring this course to its knees. It's a par 68. That didn't work out so well. Now it's like, okay, I can kind of dial it back a little bit, Greg. I can play to my advantages when they are most advantageous to me. I can rely on the rest of my game that, as most people want to forget, is a top end rest of his game. Like I'm probably more bullish on him now than I was uh, immediately after the November Masters. And he was dizzy at the Masters last year. And he was dizzy. He'll be fine this time. So I I think he was... he was also kind of feeling himself after the U S open where he was just like, I'm going to, I'm going to burn down every place that I, that I go to. <laughs> right. So I, I'm, I agree with you, Rick. I'm more bullish on him now too. I, I think there's a little more experience. There's going to be, um, it's a second venture with these new lines and his advantage is, statistically it's built in every week and that's what I like. So the more uh, Kyle says it all the time, he's just upped his win rate and he's, you know, he's going to have a chance. Um, you know, he's, he, this is why he's one of the favorites and he should be. And all he, he's, he's got to put together the other elements of his game, the way he did at Bay Hill, the way he did at the U S open. And if he can putt and chip and, and wedge it around like he did at those venues or even close, then he's going to have a great chance at winning. And I think that's very possible. He, he needs to, he just needs to keep going back. He's going to be fine. I wouldn't worry about what happened last time. I think that's an anomaly. It's possible for him to play poorly. Um, whether he's dizzy, whether he's just not feeling right, whether he's not in the best form, that's all possible. Um, but it's also possible that he plays great. And that's kind of where I'm leaning right now. The madness is upon us and the eye on college basketball podcast is your audio guide for the entire NCAA tournament. Over the next few weeks, Gary Parrish and Matt Norlander will take you from selection Sunday to the net cutting in Indianapolis. And this week they'll help you find fill out, excuse me, your bracket and then provide recaps after each day of action. As the tournament tips off, if you want the best March madness analysis, subscribe to the eye on college basketball podcast, anywhere you find this one. I cannot wait any longer. Uh, We have to discuss the greatest piece of content that has ever been generated uh, by the game of golf. And if you don't know what I'm referring to, um, I don't think this has an official name yet. I'm sure over time, just like the Zabruder Zabruder film, like it'll, it'll, we'll figure out a better name to refer to this back in decades from now, but um, we're going to call it the Spieth Sabatini video right now. And every Mm -hmm. shot live allowed us to capture some really incredible moments. And one that came out this week uh, was, (laughs) I'm going to try to do my best to describe this. Jordan Spieth hitting into Rory Sabatini. Rory Sabatini not taking it so well. And then KP, I'll just say uh, we found out maybe how people really feel about Rory Sabatini, namely Jordan Spieth and Colin Morikawa. I mean, the whole thing was just, it was, it was 
on a day of Saturday at the players is always crazy. And it, it, it won the, the content war. I mean, it, it stood out above everything else. Where do we even start? I mean, I could do a list of like 50 things that happened in the video. The, the one that nobody has said yet that I think is, is maybe the most underrated and, and you have to watch it to see what I'm talking about. Although I guess it got taken down. The fact that you can see Spieth in the like the video of him from the tee and also see him like a tiny <laughs> version of him hitting into so I don't know why that just cracked me up, but like seeing both speeds at the same time taking it back, just every time I watched it destroyed me. It was so funny. I didn't know what to expect. I clicked this video, Greg, and I'm like, what, what am I even watching? There's no caption here. It's a side-by-side of Rory Sabatini and Jordan Spieth. I'm like, I don't even, I don't even know what this is. And we come to find out he hits into hits into Rory Sabatini because he didn't see him. And then it just gets better and better because the audio is being picked up back on the tee from Jordan Spieth and Colin Morikawa. And some of the great takeaways are he, Jordan Spieth goes, um, oh, is that Sabatini? Oh man, worst guy to hit. I couldn't have picked the worst guy to hit it into. (laughs) Yeah, this is normal. This is somewhat normal conversation you would have, but yeah, you, it's so easy to forget that, uh, I'm that every shot is live, right? There's always a mic and you're just kind of out there and it's not like those guys should know that you should know. You should know. And and this is a memo. There was a memo that said, remember, yeah, but specifically them, they're on. They're always on. They're always mic'd. Like Spieth yes. never goes on the course and is thinking, "Oh, I'm not mic'd today." Like that's that right. hadn't happened in eight years. But you got to think about Morikawa and Spieth. These guys are as nice as it gets. They're not saying yeah. things that are controversial. Jordan, I've never heard Jordan Spieth swear, and and probably never will. He he has that way where he knows nothing. Justin Thomas will forever be cautious with his words on the golf course. Uh, he'll be cautious with his words on the golf course at medalist for, from now on. It, it will happen for the rest of his life. Cause he's been caught in a couple saying a couple of controversial things happened at the Honda uh, a couple of years ago. And then the most recent one uh, in Hawaii, we all know of speed and more aren't doing that. So I wonder if they just kind of, it's not in their mind. It's not too derogatory if they, but it's just, it's very normal. And, and this gold comes out of it. It was, it was so great. So, so real quick, a couple other great parts from it. I, I pulled up the, there was a Twitter back and forth. One of them was, so he, uh, Spieth basically said, I couldn't have picked a worse guy to hit into. I like insinuating. I hope he's not mad at me. And then he said, Thankfully, I'm one of the only guys that he likes. <laughs> <laughs> which, which, to Speed's credit, is probably a known thing that Roy Sabatini doesn't like anybody. But for him yeah. to be like meta and aware of that and then say it is hilarious. And then, yeah. and then somebody in the group, it might have been a caddy, said, uh, hopefully, like, they didn't want him hitting into Sabatini to create a bad shot. And he goes, well, hopefully he hits a good, uh, nope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Spieth goes, it must've been a caddy because Spieth goes, well, he's going to blame me for that. And then as soon as I think Greller said this afterward, he said, uh, as soon as Sabatini was walking away, Sabatini looks back and he goes, I just look back at you. And then like five seconds later, he goes, there's another look for you. Like he looked back again, the whole, yeah. I mean, the whole thing is like, if you, you couldn't script out something that was funnier. Like if, right. if, if all of the like golf Twitter got together and it's like, okay, what's, what's, what could we create? That would be like hilarious. You couldn't even get close to this. 
I mean, it was, it was unreal how subtly funny and unbelievable the whole thing was. It was, and it when was you pick real, that cast of characters, oh, right. it was perfect. Right. It was, perfect. it was real. And then if that wasn't, so th- it just keeps escalating. Right. And I'm like, okay, this is, this is amazing. This is amazing. I, I can't wait to retweet this. This is getting better and better. This is amazing. And then Morikawa, who's the nicest guy in the world, a uh, friend of the pod, by the way, is like, you know, I think he's kind of in love with my girlfriend. Right. And he's like, <laughs> and he's like, Sabatini said, Hey, I said hi to your girlfriend yesterday. And, and Morikawa was like, well, she's not here. How did you do that? And it was just like this most awkward, like random, these two guys giving their their unfiltered thoughts, Greg, on how they feel about Rory Sabatini. Right. Who's a, a, one of the, I don't know. He's a ra- he's like a random guy. You wouldn't expect it. To, Rory Sabatini's coming out of, how is he so involved in a player's championship when he's not near the league? <laughs> How is he so? How is he so involved in this? And it won we, the. You're right. It won the weekend. We uh, yeah, we figured Rory would be involved in the weekend, just not <laughs> maybe not that one. But yeah. you know who the you know who the biggest pro was out of all of it? It was uh, it was Michael Greller. He did the thing. You know how uh, yeah. NFL coaches hold the clipboard clipboard over their mouth so that they don't <laughs> so that nobody can read their lips and and they don't know what he he I didn't hear anything that he said which is unbelievable because you heard everybody else yeah. I, I he might have said like one or two things he got picked up but when he didn't want to get picked up he knew where to direct his words which makes you wonder why anybody was talking to begin with if 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 he was aware enough to know that things were getting picked up and the rest of maybe they wanted it maybe they wanted this to happen do you think, uh, I mean, I can't imagine it was, uh, you know, quickly scrubbed from the internet. So unless you, uh, took a, a video recording of it, it's, it's not existing out there. I, I wonder if there was, you know, these guys are finishing up their round, Greg, they're checking their phone and they're like, Oh, Oh, so this, this got picked up. Like Rory 17 to me seems like the guy that will come up to you in the locker room and, uh, ask you about this. Oh, that's every, you know, everybody's talking about it as soon as you get oh, yeah. in For this sure. day, and it, nothing is unknown. They all know, and they're all talking about it, which makes it that much better because there's now that extra. Now, all of a sudden Sabatini knows what they're saying. Like, like there's normally when somebody talks about you behind your back, if you hear about it, it's through other people. You very rarely in your regular life, hear what somebody else says about you behind your back verbatim from their mouth. The record you'd never hear a recording of it. So I I, I just wonder how awkward because there's kind of an innocence to it at the same time because it's Spieth and Morikawa. I don't think you could be too uh I don't think you could be too hard on him if you're Sabatini. Like, oh, I can't believe those guys said that about me. Cause you kind of probably know it's true. And the other thing is that it just makes me further know, like these guys, I mean, these guys are colleagues, right? And, and there's in any line of work, there is gossip and there are people talking about behind each other's backs and clicks and all that stuff. So like, you know, that these guys talk about each other all the time out there as, as things are going on, but to have a, I mean, that mic was literally propped up next to the T box to get it on. Like it was just, it was magnificent. It was was the best workplace. (laughs) Take every shot live to every tournament forever. I mean, that was like, that was that two minute clip was justification for doing it at every tournament for which I guess is the plan, but it was just, yeah. And I think, you know, one thing I was thinking about, we kind of throw stuff out on Twitter sometimes and most guys don't see most of it, but they all see some of it, right? Like they, they all, everyone in the players championship saw that clip or, or heard about it, like saw some version of it. And I forget that. Like, I forget that 
yeah, they like I've <laughs> I've heard from people that were like, hey, I saw this and <laughs> I thought it was funny, <clears throat> even though I was saying it about the like I tr- I try to say stuff that I know the person who will eventually see it, even if it's kind of mean, like still thinks it's funny. And I just, I just, I forget for whatever reason, I just forget that they have phones and they can look at them. Like, it's almost like they're in this other like arena doing stuff, like p- participating that they're not going to look at their phone at the end of the round. Right. And they're following the same people. That's the, I'm reminded of this all the time too, Kyle. They are fans of the game, right? They watch, yeah. they watch coverage. They're following golf stuff on Twitter. <laughs> they're, they're fans just like the rest of us. So you, yeah, it kind of, don't think about it too much. It might make you nervous. Might yeah, for sure. next time. And we can't have that. For sure. Uh, producer Jacob just brought up maybe the best quote that we forgot about of the whole thing. When Spieth realized that it was Sabatini, he goes, Oh God. <laughs> Oh, he is the best. Uh, Jordan Smith gives us a new audio file every single week. I mean, it was, it it was special. I've, I've, uh, I watched it a ton. I mean, is there anything I, there's just, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, it was, it was great. Him and Greller were great all weekend. There was another clip where I think it was on a Ten or eleven, and Spieth hits a pretty good shot. And (laughs) they had had this long conversation. And Kreller always just looks like, "Why am I out here? You know, like what? What are we doing?" And (laughs) which I I don't. That's I think that's just player caddy relationships at times. And Spieth was like, I can't remember his exact verbiage, but he was like, "Uh, "You don't seem very enthusiastic about that. Did you? Did you want it to be closer? Did you expect better? Yeah. What, what was the, What did he use? He seemed frustrated. Well, he, he seemed frustrated. You seemed frustrated. Yeah, seemed frustrated. I was like, I was like, man, I think I said that to my wife this morning about like cleaning the kitchen <laughs> yeah. or something. There was there was a comment that was like, uh, I forget who it was, but somebody on PJ Tour Live said, uh, "We'll talk about this when we when we get in the car." And I thought that was like perfect. <laughs> yeah. Like that was the exact tone that Greller used, or that or that Spieth used to Greller. I was like, yeah, that's exactly right. That 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 was like that hit deep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Megan, Megan Schuster of the ringer said that, uh, she said it, it had a very, like, um, this is what my marriage counselor told me to say in, in situations where I was getting worked up. It had that kind of vibe to it. <laughs> like you seem frustrated with that, Michael. Why are you frustrated? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was another. There was another moment with them. They, uh, Spieth had a drop on like f- <laughs> seven, I think. He's he drops in the woods and he's hitting this just insane shot like through the trees. It was kind of like the Phil shot on ten back in two thousand seven, where he's got this little opening, and you could tell Grower was like, "What are we doing? Like, what? What? Why is this <laughs> happening?" And they just go back and forth. And finally, Spieth hits the shot. He almost made a three. He almost got up and down from this just joke of a spot. And yeah, it's 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 an awesome it's an awesome show. I, I love tuning into them. Uh, they, they should have their own uh, their own sitcom in the offseason for a couple of weeks. Let's just get those guys in a house and see what happens. Um, gentlemen. We've got to do a one and done update. We've got to do our super contest update. It's essentially going to be me victory lapping you guys for the next couple of minutes. So uh, strap in. Yes, Kyle. Real quick. Can we do the the Rory Bryson thing? Oh, yeah. Okay. So um, 
Here's you're talking about. So after Rory McIlroy misses the cut, he's he's giving a a very transparent interview, and he refers to the speed training that he did. I think in October, essentially yeah. saying, um, "I'd be lying if I said it wasn't because of what Bryson did to Wingsfoot that has made his swing." I think he called it flatter and more rotational. And he's kind of blaming that for some of the struggles that he's having right now. Right. Yeah. And it was very much like Ryan Labner tweeted out. I think he asked the question and then he tweeted out the video, Ryan Labner of golf channel. And, uh, he, he, he said this in his tweet. He was like, you could tell that Rory knew this was going to be like a big deal and a headline. And he was like, I'm just going to say it anyway. And I thought it was very, I mean, it was, it was fascinating. Right. Like, because if Rory's doing that, he's not the only one, yes. you know, there's, 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 and I'd love to hear Greg's take on this. There's plenty of other guys that are thinking like that as well. And, you know, di- distance is a skill. Like what Bryson is doing is a skill. It's not, um, you can't just like start swinging harder. And that, and that goes back to like, that's the thing where what Bryson did a year ago, 18 months ago, was risky because you're redoing some stuff that's already solidified and you're the number nine player in the world. Like we talked about before. So you're kind of re you're kind of tinkering with some, some things that got you to be number nine in the world. And that's a risk. Like that's a legitimate risk that has paid off, but he didn't know if it was going to pay off. He didn't know if 48 inch driver was going to pay off. He didn't know if all these, you know, insane things were going to pay off. And I think other guys were like, okay, well, I'll just swing harder. I'll just, that's an oversimplification because I'm a moron about the swing, but it it seemed like DJ or Rory or Finau, whoever could be like, well, I've got a little in the tank. Let me use that. And that's not, I don't think that's totally what Bryson was doing. What what do you think, Greg? No, no, you're absolutely right. And here's the biggest difference. There's a huge difference between Bryson and Rory in this situation. Bryson, and this is forgotten all the time, Bryson has a team of guys around him. Uh, He has Chris Como around him. He's got Mike Shy around him. He's got trainers. He's got nutritionists. He's got an entire team. And when they went into this journey, Chris Como says, we left we left a trail of bread com- uh, breadcrumbs and everywhere we went, we knew what we did. We knew what we changed. We knew if it worked, we knew if it didn't, we always knew how to get back to home, home base. And that's a really important aspect. Rory's coach yeah, right now sure. has been, he's been stuck in Ireland, right? He, he hasn't been able to come here. He hasn't been able to travel on tour. And so Rory did it alone. Rory does it with me with, without his coach and sending your coach videos. You can do that. You can talk on the phone. You can, there's a a lot of things you can do, but it's different than having them there. And I mean, Bryson and Chris Como are having sleepovers together. I don't know if that's, you know, they're, they are, they're together (laughs) all day, right? Is that breaking news? They're they're hanging out, right? They're, they're hitting balls in, in the living room. Onesies and onesies. In onesies. He's not wrong. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's a completely different experience. And I think Rory, it's easy to get off track when you don't have a coach and you look at Rory and you say, he doesn't need a coach. Why would that swing need a a swing coach? It's not about having a swing coach. It's about understanding the direction you're going in. The coach keeps you on track. The coach keeps you from, he protects you from yourself. He protects you from going down a path you shouldn't go down. And I wonder if, um, if Rory got into that, I think the biggest problem is not that he tried to hit it farther, but that he did it by himself. And I think, and I think to Kyle, your other point is like, 
of course he's not the only guy, but he's probably the only guy who would tell us that and tell us that maybe this went a little sideways and maybe uh, I regret this a little bit, right? Like the, the ever everlasting transparency of Rory McIlroy uh, is fascinating. Well, and, and yeah, that he's the most prominent guy that it would affect the most, right? Like maybe that's what's going on with Matthew Wolf. I don't know. I mean, that, that could be it, but Rory's yeah, he's doing it out in front of everybody. The Rory stuff is like, I thought he got exposed this week. You know, he, he's been, he's, he has these, we've talked about this. He has these weird rounds where he just, was kind of off. Like even throughout the beginning of 2021, even though the finishes were good, he just has these bizarre rounds where he shoots 76 and it, it's just way off. And he, I thought, I thought his game really got exposed because that's what TPC Sawgrass does. If you're off by 2%, 3%, you're going to get really exposed. And I think that, I don't know, sometimes it, sometimes with Rory, it seems like he is, he sees something over here and he kind of chases it for a little bit because it's intriguing to him. And because he likes to think about things and try to figure them out. And like, I just, sometimes I wonder if he'd just be better off shutting the mind off and just hitting golf shots. Mm -hmm. And, And again, oversimplification, I'm not there every day, all the caveats, but the thing you always go back to with him is he's got the best swing in the world. He's got the most talent in the world. And I just, I don't know. Like I refuse to believe that he could be that poor from like one fifty and in, I, I just, I just don't get it. Like I, I, I don't understand. And then you exacerbate it with the driver stuff. And all of a sudden you miss a cut by 10 strokes. Bizarre is a really good word for it. It also doesn't help when you lose six and a half strokes putting. I mean, it was, he was, it was, it was yeah, all bad. It was yeah, broken. Yeah. It was, it was terrible. You're right. And, and it just feels like it's gone on for a while. So we'll see. We'll see what Bryce or uh, what Rory, geez, I just did it. He'll, pro- he'll, probably, <laughs> he'll probably win the masters now after all. I you hope know. so. No, it'd be, uh, it'd be yeah. Be the best. Uh, all right, gentlemen, you tried to postpone my victory lapping long enough. We are going to take a quick break. And hear a word from our partners. Hey, everyone. This is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. men's national team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time, just like me. And also, just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Fiore gear is designed to look great in everyday life while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the men's Sunday performance jogger. And don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viori.com slash sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viori.com slash sports and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. And we're back. This, this this could be a really quick update, gentlemen. There there is a new sheriff in town, and his name is Rick. Let's do the one and done. <laughs> Let's do the one and done update here. So third person. That's great. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> coach, coach entered the week 
at 1.9 million. He had Colin Morikawa, who got him 50-ish thousand dollars. So he's gonna just he's gonna break into the two million dollar mark, and he is going to be very upset because Greg, I think uh, I'm always, I'm not sure if you were on uh, that episode where uh, Coach was deciding between Morikawa and JT and went the wrong way. I wasn't there, but I heard about it in uh, in well, I heard it. So yeah, disappointing. This is a tough event, Rick. I got to give you so I, I give you props. It's so it's so uh, hard to pick. It's it, it, this in the Open Championship. I think are the two hardest to pick. Yeah, uh, and that's why I went with. I'm not trying to take away from Rick's victory lap here, but I went with Scotty <laughs> Scheffler, who I think is like a one. He he's not that grade A saving for majors in this super season. I'm I'm not going to play him in a major. I thought, well, if I lose him. Because anybody could miss the JT could have missed the cut this week. He almost, I mean, he almost <laughs> did, right? So anybody, yeah, anybody could fall here, as you see with all of our picks. So brutally tough week to pick. Uh, producer Jacob went with Webb Simpson, missed the cut, so he'll stay at two point six million. KP, you went with Patrick Cantlay. This, this to me was the most surprising. I knew when I was when I was taking Justin Thomas, I was taking on some inherent risk, and I was willing to trade it off for the upside. This to me, if you would have said who is like the safest guy this week, it, I probably would have figured out a way to pick Patrick Cantlay. Yeah, I got my feelings hurt by him. He was just, he was in that weird JT uh, Hovland group. And it just seemed like I watched them on, when was the Hovland drop gate thing? Thursday, Thursday morning? Yes, yeah, because then, was, he, yeah. Yeah, then he played another round Friday and then missed the cup by two. And, yeah. It just seemed like their whole career. I, and I, I think what Greg said is instructive because JT could have missed the cut. Like it, it went badly on Thursday and then it went badly again on Friday. And he, and, and somebody said, it might've been Aaron Ober, Oberholzer on golf channel said like, he kind of went to war to, to kind of get it back on track just to, I mean, he was grinding out seventies the first couple of days or seventy. 72, 70 or whatever it was. And that is, that's impressive. Like the 66, 68 is impressive, obviously. But I think that to give yourself a chance at the 66, 68 is just as impressive. And Kaylee couldn't do it. You know, you get to the weekend and it's like, okay, all of a sudden you can breathe a little, the cream rises. We see all these, you know, top players in the world finish in the top 20. And I, I was just dying for Kaylee to get there and he couldn't do it. Yeah, I think I, I didn't look, but I thought JT opened up with uh, 71, 71 back-to-back rounds of one under, which is, yeah, and they were a grind. And then to figure it out on the weekend and make it click, I think it's it was a great a great assessment. KP, you're going to stay at 3.3 million. And Greg, you're going to stay at 4.8 million. Mark is also going to stay at his number because he got a goose egg from Tommy Fleetwood uh, and he's going to stay at 5.3. But at the top of the one and done standings, with 6.4 million thanks to 2.7 million dollars from Justin Thomas it's me it's me Greg that's my wife my wife's in the chat she wow. said yeah, I was going to say we got an inside scoop an inside look to the to the gaming household <laughs> this is... and uh Rick's been he's been a little on the happy side today yeah so Rick, my wife Rick gained, or, he gained dollars today like JT did T to green this weekend <laughs> Right, all of it. His all of his were learning you, comes from this. Week. Hey, were you like, uh, were you like Jimmy Johnson checking the uh, the er, the uh, purse sheet in the scoring tent? Yeah, that's so good. Right? <laughs> I'm just. Let Did me you just see walk that? Out. Yeah. Whoop, whoop, yeah. Never mind. Yeah, that's. So and then good. his fa- his face after he saw it, he was like, 
Yeah. Yeah. He's what? 10% of 2.7 million. Yeah. That's what I was doing. Oh, that's absolutely awesome. So, um, I take a lead. I'm at 6.4 million. Uh, we've got plenty of events left. We've got like, I don't know, 35 events left or something like that. And to look towards our super contest, uh, which is our betting wagers for the week, Greg, you had a good week. Let me pull up your betting card here because you had a 20% ROI and I believe it was in thanks to, oh, okay. So you had a Justin Thomas best ball over Rory and Bryson. Nice. That, that made you sweat all weekend long. And then you had a Patrick Reed, uh, three ball over Terrell Hatton and and Tony Finau, which I guess that one didn't make you sweat. So you got a little bit of both. Yeah, a little more conservative strategy this week, I guess. A little more on the matchups, um, a little less on the um, on on the outrights. And I, I've gotten a little ahead of myself here with outrights. Like I, I like to in these games take the ones that you know you feel like you know are going to happen, and the easiest way to do that is match play, right? You, uh, picking picking a matchup. So I've gotten away from that a little bit, and. Uh, happy to still be positive thanks to a Patrick Reed outright but but the Patrick Reed outright got me like Ror- like Bryson got Rory where I kind of got sucked in I wanted to just pick out I wanted to to hit on outrights it, it's uh it's very exciting so I went a little more conservative this week I'm happy it got me a, a little bit of return it's so oh. hard at this event I mean it's oh. I, I I hated this week from a pick standpoint yeah 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 it was just it, it was t- it was really hard yeah, we were talking about it on, I think it was Friday, not nine of the 17 most expensive golfers on DraftKings. So the guys that everybody thinks are going to do well, mi- missed the cut. Like it was yeah. absolute carnage. It was carnage. That's, but that's every year and you it's unpredictable. Like yeah. it'll be, you know, next time around, it'll be Rory and Cantlay that are in the top 10. And you're just like, I, I had, and, and that's, what's great about Sawgrass. Like, we, I don't think we probably didn't talk about the course enough. It, it's just, it's, I love it. Like, it's awesome. It's so much fun every year and it makes you, it makes you hit great shots. And if you're off at all, you're not, you're not playing the weekend. Uh, we can, we can talk about Sawgrass real quick here. So I had my best bets. I had Matthew Fitzpatrick over Patrick Reed. I won that. I won Webb Simpson over Patrick Cantlay. And I, of course I had a Justin Thomas outright. So that was me having the big week. Uh, I, I agree with, with Kyle, Greg Sawgrass is, I, I think a lot of people think it's a, a bit gimmicky. It's a bit like whatever. I, I did not get the feeling this week. Like I have in other weeks, whether it's because 17 bit back on Thursday, it, it, it was just, it was a really good event. It, it created an eclectic, uh, diverse leaderboard. And also it, it made some of the best players in the world look like fools, which I think is a really good combination. Right. And at the same time, it allows you to make some birdies. You see birdies, you see eagles. There are scoring opportunities out there. Um, you have to play bold and take on a lot of risk in order to, in order to score, which is what it's out there and somebody's going to score. And if you just get on the wrong side, then all of a sudden you get penalized. I think it's the best course in the Florida swing. Um, without question, it, it brings the most excitement. It gives you the most difficulty. You have to strike the ball. Well, um, there's so much that it, it tests every aspect of your game. And what we saw with JT, the way he was working the ball, T to green, not, not a lot of guys can do that, especially in, on today's PGA tour. And it highlights, architectural, um, I guess you can call it, you can call it genius. I mean, it really is. It it makes the modern PGA tour player sweat on a golf course. That's under 7,200 yards. It's, it's, uh, it's impressive. Yeah, it is impressive. I, I would like to see, well, two things. One, 
we talked about this with concession, right? Change the part of 70 and all of a sudden six under is the winner, which is a U.S. <laughs> Open. Yeah. You know, that's that's all they do at the, with the USGA. They just change the part of 70 and all of a sudden you got five, five under, six under, whatever. Uh, and then the other thing is I, I, the only thing I would like, and Greg brought this up earlier and I thought, it, I thought it was great is a little more variety. Like 12 is awesome because it, it, it changes right every day. You're like, okay, well today I got to do this. And tomorrow I got to do that. I'd love to see just a little bit more variety. It seems like nine gets played exactly the same. It seems like, uh, four gets played mostly the same. Like I, I would love to see it just, and, and I think they could do it. They've got room to kind of move around out there. Uh, Solly tweeted Huge from knowing up about like they could move the Tion 18 back a little bit. And, and, and that's just one of a hundred examples that you could throw out there, but that's the only, that's the only thing. And maybe a little faster and firmer. I, I thought it was, um, especially on the weekend, just a, a tad too receptive. But other than, I mean, those are tiny complaints. I thought it was, I thought it was fantastic. And I think it's fantastic almost every year. One thing real quick on the fast, firm and fast. There are places where um, a, a particular hole or a particular green limits your ability to go really firm and fast. And, mm-hmm. um, and I think 17 is one of those examples. If it gets too firm, and good shots start bouncing into the water. A hole that's iconic becomes, uh, it, it can become kind of, I, I call it Mickey Mouse, where it's a little rink, it, you know, it, it kind of, there's no real skill involved and it becomes yeah. luck and it becomes silly. And if it, at this firmness and fast, where it gets its firmest on Sunday afternoon and you can still hold that green and play the hole, I think it gets fair. So you just have to be careful because of that one hole, in my opinion. Yeah. One leg of the Florida swing left Honda next week. Players championship in the books. Last call. Anything else before we get out of here? I thought it was the perfect ending to the first quarter. I tweeted this out. I mean, all the things that happened over the first three months, and I realized there are other events still left in March, but DJ winning, Brooks winning, uh, Spieth 61, uh, Spieth being back, Westwood, Bryson winning, and the, the stuff on six last week, Morikawa winning. And then finally, uh, you know, JT's kind of capper at Sawgrass. It was uh, Max Homa winning. The, the whole, the, the last three months have been awesome. And I said it last week. I'll say it again this week. The fact that we get to talk about it every week is just a joke. It's so much fun. And, you know, after everything being canceled last year, to have the, the first three months that we've had is phenomenal. And we haven't even gotten to any of the majors yet. And we still have a Ryder cup and the Olympics. I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible. I'm, I'm really excited about the rest of the year. You know what my favorite event is? Uh, it's the match play coming up in two weeks. I guess we'll fill out brackets for that. We'll have to do that on the show. I I absolutely love the match play, Greg. It's, it's the best week of the year. Maybe not the match play is fun, but I like it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, the early part of the early part of the weekend is great in the match play. It depends kind of how it shakes out coming down the stretch, but it's a great golf course. I love, uh, I love Austin. Watch that golf course is really fun to watch. So yeah, it's a, it's another great event. <laughs> Gentlemen, great week. Players championship in the books. Producer Jacob does all the hard work behind the scenes. Thank you very much to producer Jacob. That's Kyle Porter. You can follow him on Twitter at Kyle Porter CBS. That's Greg Ducharme. You can follow him at the real GFD and you can find me at Rick run good. This has been the first cut and we'll catch you next time.
was a very bright shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.